Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of live-action Scrooge McDuck to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is incomplete comparison. So, as the name suggests, incomplete comparison is where you start to make a comparative statement, like something being better or worse or kind of younger or anything like that but don't complete that so you don't say what it's better younger worse than right okay he just just says his it's more yeah or it's yeah to be honest i had a little bit of trouble finding trump examples for two reasons the first one was that the website that is kind of my go-to for finding things trump has said and like right. transcripts and videos and stuff yeah. was down last week so oh, I was no kind of oh, no. Oh, no. finding that a bit difficult gonna, yeah i don't want to have to go through <laughs> everything yeah oh, like Christ. in the raw yeah <laughs> yeah but also that trump is such a hyperbolist which is a word i just made up that yes, yeah he doesn't tend to say that he's better or stronger or whatever but that he's the best yeah. Right. He's oh, all, okay. It's always yeah, 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 superlative yeah, yeah. rather than yeah. comparative for Trump. He's, he's not more hyperbolic. He's just, he's most hyperbolic. He's the most hyperbolic. Yeah. 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 And when you're being superlative instead of comparative, you are, by implication, comparing yourself to everyone else or everything yeah. else. Yeah. And, and there is no comparison. Yeah. Because you're, yeah, that's you're not just saying I'm better than this individual or this particular <laughs> thing. I am the best. That, that's it. Uh, yeah. You're comparing yourself with every, everybody and you don't need to put in <laughs> the comparator. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways that you can apply this. One, one yeah. of which, which we'll come to is being just extremely vague about what you're comparing things right. to. <laughs> right. But our first is from when Trump pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord. Compliance with the terms of the Paris Accord and the onerous energy restrictions that is placed on the United States could cost America as much as 2.7 million lost jobs by 2025, according to the National Economic Research Associates. This includes 440,000 fewer manufacturing jobs, not what we need. Believe me, this is not what we need, including automobile jobs, and the further decimation of vital American industries on which countless communities rely. They rely for so much, and we would be giving them so little. According to the same study, by 2040, the cost to the economy at this time would be close to $3 trillion in lost GDP and $6.5 million industrial jobs so what trump's doing there is basically while he's not saying it's more expensive yeah he was reading Uh, um he wasn't he wasn't saying it's more expensive and then not comparing what it's more expensive to yeah kind of was yeah he was saying it's very expensive it's too expensive 
yeah. this is so expensive. This will, co- this will cost this. Yeah. The responsible thing to, to do would be to compare it to the alternative, i.e. pulling out what he's actually yeah. doing. Yeah. There's kind of more information there on the table that he didn't talk about, which is, in fact, largely contained in the report that he was kind of quoting from, right. Which, right. which itself said... This is not a cost-benefit analysis. Right. This is yep. just looking at how much it would cost to achieve the goals in the Paris Climate Accord. And yes, they did say <laughs> that that by 2040 it would cost uh, $3 trillion and yep. that it would cost a certain number of jobs from manufacturing and things like that. Yeah. But the point is, if you don't pull out of the Paris Climate Accord and, and stay in and actually do those things... Yeah. then you get a lot more jobs yeah. from the renewable <laughs> yeah, energy yeah. Yeah. sector and save a huge amount of money from, you know, not having climate change problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we're having to, having to mediate those in the future or now. Yeah. yeah. So he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, this is going to cost that. If we don't pull out, it will cost us this. And therefore, it's cheaper to pull out because there will be, a, you know, that kind. Of, that's yeah. basically the argument he's making without com- doing any comparison. And I've just realised the entirety of Brexit is <laughs> yeah. is is an incomplete comparison. It's we've got to get out because it will be better. Here are all the bad things. Yeah. yeah, or or think of all the good things we could do. Think of what it would mean. And th- but they don't say. It's never compared against what they currently is because there is no comparison. You know, the sunlit uplands of of Brexit, you know, the Minister for Brexit Opportunities is the Minister for Oxymorons, you know, the newly created. You think, well, yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, that's exactly what's gone on yeah. with that stuff. It's It's so expensive. We send this much money to Europe. Or think of what we could use that for here. And then not use it, you know. Think, just think of a number, and then think of something you could spend that on. Well, that's why we should not be in Europe. Okay, yeah. okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that that study did mention the three trillion dollar cost right. over twenty years of right. of meeting the goal, uh, the goals of the Paris Climate Accord. Yeah. Other um, studies found that not meeting. The, yeah. the goals of the Paris Climate Accord would cost around six trillion. Okay. Yep. Because yep. of various climate change related yeah. problems. Yeah. And that the benefits, financial benefits of having both clean energy and uh, a, you know energy efficiency yep. from renewable energy and the kind of increased jobs and and stuff like that would actually be beneficial to the tune of about nineteen trillion dollars. Oh wow! Over that yep. time period. Yeah. So. That's quite an interesting comparison. Now you kind of know why you didn't complete the comparison. Yeah, There's a hidden factor there. And basically it is like kind of holding two products in a supermarket and saying, well, this one costs $3. And then just remaining silent on what the other costs. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and putting that one back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So our second example from Trump is... Uh, more of the kind of traditional comparison, and it's on Boris Johnson when Boris became Prime Minister. So I spoke with Boris Johnson. I think he's going to be a great 
Prime Minister. I think he's going to do a fantastic job. I've known him. Uh, a lot of people uh, know that we have a very good relationship. I think he'll be uh, far superior. I think he'll do something that will be a uh, very — I think he's going to be very important for the U.K. I think he's going to be very important. So he'll be far superior. Far superior. There it is. To... <laughs> to... Nothing whatsoever. Yeah. Theresa May. To maybe. I mean, there's ways you can you can read into it. Basically, you can assume that he means to the person who was previously in power. You can yep. assume that he means he'll be far superior to other world leaders, to yep. to Trump himself. Uh, yeah, obviously arguable, mean that. No. but no. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yes, on past performance, <laughs> not what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah, but no, he just says he'll be far superior. Superior, superior is yeah. an interesting one because it can be a word that doesn't need a comparative element to it. Uh, right. Usually when you use it, when you say someone is superior, you mean they're a bit snobbish and kind of yeah. standoffish and, rather than they're actually well, better. Well, exactly is that. He was, right in yeah. that. he was right in that respect. Yeah. But yeah. the fact that he said far superior kind of puts it down that, that road of, yeah, you would usually say far superior to Two. yeah something or someone, yeah, uh, which he doesn't. And, or far Dick. superior to, in so far as he's the kind of guy that I could teach a thing or two, <laughs> whereas nobody else he he for one will take me seriously. Maybe that's what he means because he's a chip off the old block. Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah. But it turns out he's wrong in every aspect. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the, that's the thing. And they what you want to say, I guess, also with an incomplete comparison is. Well, what are you basing that on? Whereas, what are you comparing against for you to be able to say that? Because from our knowledge of Boris Johnson, way before Trump pretended he knew he knew him, that you know he he under no circumstances is he superior to yeah. he he think he holds himself superior to everybody else. He has a supercilious attitude. Yeah, he has a superiority complex. And and yet, every action that he's ever taken, performed, undertaken, been subject to, subjected us to, shows that he's not superior in terms of other political leaders anywhere at any time. <laughs> yeah, it maybe is. Maybe Ethel read the unready. It, it can know. be a way to kind of avoid being specific. About yeah, what makes yeah. something better. If yeah. you're just saying, "Well, it's better. It's just better." So, yeah, then it's just, it's just better. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. did hear a review of um, when the 50th anniversary of the Abbey Road album was came out, and they re-recorded it, and lots of reviewers just went, "Yeah, so this recording, well, it's it's just better." <laughs> and yeah, well. In, in what way? Better stereo, better than vinyl, better than the previous. No, it is just better. And then mm. you listen to it and you go, well, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's intangibly improved. Mm. Yeah, yeah, new, new and improved. They go, okay, well, it's, it, improved over what? Yeah. How? How? How is it better? Yeah, so right. the other way this can be used is to mm. just be really vague about what you're comparing <laughs> right things yeah. too and that's the case with our third example which is actually dan bongino on his fox show unfiltered and then let's not forget about the health care either 
You go to some of the, you still get some of the health outcomes in some of these inner cities that these Democrats have run monopolistically for decades, and you stand a pretty darn good chance of dying in one of these inner cities, far more likely than if you lived in areas where they gave a damn about people and their health care outcomes. So, <laughs> so if you live in a Democrat-run city, some some of these you stand yeah. some of the some of the some Democrat-run cities, yeah. then you stand a pretty good chance of dying. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone stands a pretty good pretty, chance of dying, yeah, but good. far more than if you lived in another area where people gave a damn about your health outcomes. He's making he's comparing a comparison Democrat-run cities to with places that places give a damn that, about your health. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, some of some of the Democrats, he's kind of get it gets yeah. vaguer and vaguer and vaguer, doesn't it? it, it yeah, okay, and it's well, really hard. Yeah. It would be hard for him to compare it to Republican cities because there aren't a lot of Republican cities because urban people vote for democrats basically <laughs> yeah yeah republicans yeah. control rural areas but yeah. the weirdest thing about this was the graphic that he put up yeah. on the screen to support what he's saying which says on at the top it says top 10 most unhealthy u.s cities mm -hmm. and it has little dots on the cities and little uh, kind of titles over them and and they're highlighted and it's seattle portland oregon san francisco honolulu san diego Denver, Irving, Texas, Austin, Texas, D.C., and Portland, Maine. And it sounds weird that they would be the top 10 most unhealthy U.S. cities. Yeah. At kind of first glance. I mean, San Francisco has got a pretty good reputation for, like, people eating healthily, hasn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And Seattle, I mean, they drink a lot of coffee, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> and that... And yeah. Hawaii as well, Honolulu being being yeah. the one of the top ten most unhealthy cities in the US. Mm. But if you look at the citation on that map, it says Wallet Hub, and if you go to Wallet Hub and search yeah. for that, what you find is a uh, a study that was done where they um, looked at the top 180 most populated US cities across 44 key indicators of health, including things like access to kind of fruit and vegetables, the COVID cases, right. walking routes, things like that. All Lots of different things that contribute to, to good health. Yeah. And those 10 cities are actually the, the 10 healthiest places to live in the US. Oh? Uh? So they, they got that exactly, exactly wrong. wrong. Oh, right. I was thinking it would be out of the 180 healthiest cities these were the ones going from 170 through 180 yeah, no 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 these were one to ten. <laughs> oh, of, oh right okay so that's i mean you know i was at even if there's 170 <laughs> through 180 you kind of go yeah you're uh -huh. kind of stretching it a bit because they're you know of of the six out of ten cats who said they their owners <laughs> expressed a preference, you know, it's that kind of stuff uh -huh. you've got to put the caveats on, so they just cut off the cap. No, but yep. no, 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 they just, just like, read it was just it a complete wrong. lie. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, it's not even quite the top ten most happy oh. cities because because oh, yeah. apart from messing that bit up, they also accidentally for some reason put Irving, Texas instead of Irvine, California. They just mixed up those Brilliant. two cities. Brilliant. <laughs> That and, is brilliant. Um, yeah, they and they're just wrong about wow. That. And and if you actually look at the most unhealthy ones, they're like Lubbock, Texas, and Memphis, right. and places like that. Yeah, largely in the south. Yeah, actually, also some of them uh, Democrat run, 
because mm. they're cities, yeah. but hugely surrounded by red rural areas uh, yeah. in most cases. Yeah. Whereas the the ones that they listed tend to be blue cities in either blue states or or kind of larger blue metropolitan areas. Yeah. So. So yeah, just 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 a lie compounded by really vague comparison. <laughs> Uh, yeah, to, to where you're likely to, to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, and now is the time I think for Marx British politics corner. So this I've found is a rather it's a rhetorical device in UK politics. So it kind of happens in in environments where politicians can control what's going on. So it's something normally a speech or uh, or within the House of Commons itself. So you're dealing with people who. Uh, are paid to listen to you or are paid to listen to you. So, and even then it's kind of rare to have unsubstantiated comparisons. So there's often cases where they do incorrect comparisons. Like uh, it, uh, I was one with Rishi Sunak telling us how our GDP is growing faster than anyone else in Europe, simply by not using the same stats that Europe use, for instance. So they're not comparing apples and apples so they just go oh well we'll just find the stats that say we are the highest uh, we've got the, the fastest growing gdp in europe and then hope that nobody will say well what stats are you using and those stats that you're using aren't the ones that europe use to measure their gdp growth so there's a kind of uh, an implied lack of comparison there but it's also that kind of um you know wrong just wrong comparison <laughs> yeah yeah, but it's hard, It's harder to find actual real-life encounters with people outside of the Westminster bubble because in those encounters with newscasters and journalists and members of the public, they, those people, won't just won't agree to play along and just believe really hard in what's being told them when they want to hold what's being said up for examination. So, and it's similar in, you know, with um, Bongino, who's kind of, he's, he's on his own channel he can say what he bloody likes and he's got a captive audience who will believe everything he said so nobody's holding up what he's saying for examination yeah no one's actually going to go to that website to no, see if that's no right. that's right yeah <laughs> they just go, assume that he's yeah right. with you know let's let's hold up some pesky facts and see whether it's true so uh, okay so this, the first example comes from a johnson's investment in lifelong learning speech that he made to business leaders from behind a lectern so these are this is a group of people who are waiting to hear what he's got to say because they're the people that pay membership of the Tory party or donate large sums of money or have paid to get him to come and speak. Um, and so this is on September 29th, 2020, and it's apparently to deal with the long-standing divide between higher education and practical training providers under this new scheme you can apply for a massive student debt from a further education college as well as a university for all of your 20s and 30s and not just from age 18. And so today I want to set out how this government will offer a lifetime skills guarantee to help people train and retrain at any stage in their lives and enable us not just to come through this crisis but to come back stronger and build back better. So there, there is the kind of well stronger than what and better than what kind of so it's, a, so it's an incomplete comparison and it's also an echo of Joe Biden's Build Back Better thing, 
And so this training initiative is part of his Build Back Better plan. There's no detail on better than what or stronger than what because I suspect for the Tories there's the spectre of the fact that they are building, if they are building back better than what went before and what went before was plainly a decade of Tory policy that brought about this apparent disparity in the first place. That's the problem they've always got in saying it, the system is broken, we're going to mend it, we're going to build back better. It doesn't bear a comparison because the decade that's gone before was also the Tories' policies being put in place. And so some there's a kind of implication there that he's saying this is going to be better than what we've had in the crisis, so better than the pandemic. But the disparity in education didn't happen in the pandemic, but in the pandemic, he did see young people working in labs doing tests on viruses and thought, well, maybe what are we going to do when the next generation of young people graduate? Where are they going to go? What about the foreign students that no longer come here because of Brexit? What about the workers that no longer come here because of Brexit? So this isn't to be compared with the comparison of the, the circumstances of the pandemic, nor the circumstances of 12 years of self-regarding, self-aggrandizing, mate-supporting, cash-funneling tax break for the rich government by the fiscally responsible Tories. So it's all kept at best rather vague and at worst incomplete. Is what I maintain there. <laughs> so, and uh, so the second, the second example, also Boris, keeping it vague but bang up to date. Uh, so, keeping it vague enough for the benches behind him to be able to cheer his blustery, boostery rhetoric, and perhaps not think about actually how to do away with him, <laughs> vote him out, urge him to resign, call him a liar, cease to fund him any longer, like they did only weeks, days, hours, minutes before this. And this is in response to Keir Starmer in Prime Minister's questions this week. In fact, today, as we go to record, asking how a discount on everyone's energy bill of £200 is a discount if everyone has to pay it back over the following five years and do so whether you're eligible for the discount or not. And it's not even given to the bill payers, but rather to the energy firms who then increase subsequent bills to get it back. Starmer points all of this out and he says in reply... Mr Speaker, our... Our plan, our plan to tackle the costs of living is faster, more efficient and more generous than anything uh, that they have set up. So there you go. There's the comparison. Faster, more efficient and more generous. And strictly speaking, I guess it does complete the comparison by saying anything that they have set out. Have they set out anything, though? No. So I think that qualifies because he is yeah. comparing it to nothing. Yeah. In as yeah. much as yeah. Labour haven't. I mean, because it's they're in the opposition. It's not exactly. their job to, to set out come up with policies. What, we, what they would do, yeah. What ought to be done? You could be doing this. You should be doing exactly this. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah, but so see, what? I, it's better than anything they've come up with. <laughs> exactly. We've got yeah, got it's faster, more efficient, more generous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's and it, bullshit. It's, un, it's, it's certainly certainly unencumbered not only, by irritating not only, details. Yeah. <laughs> not only yeah. is it not a discount because you have to pay it back. Yeah. I I haven't quite figured out it, what about people who as yet on on the housing ladder and haven't started paying paying an electricity uh, bills. Bill. Yeah. They they obviously won't get it. No, they will. But 
No, they won't get the discount. Well, they won't no, get the discount, true, but they but will, they get, will get the extra. The, the extra cost. Yeah. They will have to essentially pay back a thing they didn't get. Yeah. Um, also, that, that just the, the point it, of it, <laughs> they said, Rishi said, yeah. is to reduce public debt. Yeah. Which they're doing by immediately putting everyone into in debt. Into debt, yeah. Kind yeah. of out, you know, against our will. Yes, <laughs> yeah. We don't get a choice in the matter. No, 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 we don't. No. And it's well, bizarre. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, mm, exactly. So, but he, in kind of justification as to uh, see the part of the detail of the the faster, more efficient and more generous it's lacking. So he doesn't even tell us what they're doing other than that, because Rishi Sunak has done that kind of thing. He, has talk, he does talk about what they have done and, um, and that's about it. And then Starmer in the next question actually calls him out on it uh, by way of giving him some details and <laughs> making a comparison. And he says that fuel-producing companies, including Shell, have made on average over the pandemic period £750 profit per second, certainly in the last year. And UK households are facing on average a £750 per annum increase in fuel fuel costs, heating and lighting in their homes. And could we therefore not just share it out a bit? <laughs> it's kind of yeah. there's there's the there's the power of i mean the there's a lot of seconds in a year it feels like that should work out yeah yeah <laughs> you know they wouldn't really miss it really yeah would they yeah yeah so so it's a yeah so i mean um it's a specific what Starmer's come up with is a specific comparison certainly is complete and something on the face of it appears to be comparing apples and apples and in fact what they did is they're they're Response suggests a windfall tax on the fuel companies to redistribute some of that profit to offset the price hike they're benefiting from. Johnson has said in response to any windfall tax on likely Tory party donors, <laughs> such as fuel companies, as it will be it will be lumbering them. They will be in, encumbered with this for tax, which would stop them developing new greener energies? They go, really? Really? Are they going mm. to really use that, given that they're going to give maybe... It's the trickle-down argument again, isn't there it? There you it's, go, yeah. No, we have to let the rich people have all the money. Have all the money. It, if we let them have it, they'll do nice things for the little people. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, they'll certainly do nice things for the shareholders because yeah. I think they're giving away some billions in shareholders. And then some, when somebody objected to that recently, um, somebody in response said, ah, well, you see, many of the shareholders are pension funds. Are they really? You know, many of them, <laughs> some of them, you know, some of those. And you think, oh, OK, well, hang on, let's just mm, and 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 how many of them are? And how much of their pension is invested in the likes of Shell, really? Yeah. And how many, how many of the people investing in those pension funds are already millionaires? Quite, <laughs> quite. And and uh, but <laughs> then, but on a purely Machiavellian um, uh, slant, for a moment, like well, like one percent of me, the one percent, obviously, the 1%, <laughs> my one percent said. Oh yeah, perhaps I should switch my pension fund <laughs> into Shell. Yeah, yeah, and arms and tobacco. Yeah. 
nobody does it better And your hair's a calculated mess But nobody's left That's half as mad as you Cause Boris, Boris, you're possessed Each time you're speaking There's no point in listening Yet your acolytes all seem to be beguiled To avoid a profanity And hold on to sanity I'm seeking all the fallacies in the wild There's Carly Simon there with her incomplete comparison. Nobody does it better. See, now I just want to watch this play. You love me again. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. Oh, yeah. Apart from the uh, the Lotus Esprit, submarine Lotus Esprit, which I actually saw on the set in Pinewood. It's not a bad one. Could be worse. Could be Moonraker. True. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Or just could be worse. Yeah, yeah. Could be worse. That's all you need to say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in The Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And this week, our first example comes from Me, You, Madness, which Yay! is the <laughs> which yeah. is the film that was produced, directed, written by and starring uh, Louise Linton, yeah. uh, the wife of Steve Mnuchin, Trump's Treasury Secretary, and also happens to be the film that we will be discussing on our uh, upcoming patron-only episode. Yeah. I say discussing ripping apart yeah <laughs> yeah frame by frame yeah Sorry. ripping our head Dollar by as we talk about <laughs> yeah, see that so if you'd like to to um uh, <laughs> take part in that you just nip over to our uh, uh-huh. our site and join them um, patreon.com slash f trump yeah um but in. meanwhile you get a little clip from it here because yep. uh this is louise linton's character catherine black speaking of james bond yeah talking about her car. This is an Aston Martin Vanquish. It was driven by James Bond in the 2002 film Die Another Day. It has a more powerful engine, improved aerodynamics, and a six-speed electro-hydraulic manual transmission. So it has more power. Yeah, more powerful engine. Yeah. Than? <laughs> has a more powerful engine. Yeah. Than a wind-up monkey? Than, certainly. Yeah. Certainly, yes. Then what? Then... Then the, fan, the, the, then the Aston Martin improved aerodynamics. I don't based think so. on yeah, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, improved from what a box, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, improved, new, improved, better, faster, all of that, and yeah, and, yeah, and yes, she does put that accent on. Oh Christ! I yeah. don't know. That might be her voice, but it is fucking annoying yeah. the entire way through. The other fucking annoying thing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we'll get to that. <laughs> but but I had to do quite a lot of, of audio editing on that so you could hear her voice because the audio mix is so shit yeah. that the yeah. the music comes through far too loudly for you to yeah. actually hear what she's saying half the time. I had to put the subtitles on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, more, yeah. Uh, more powerful engine and uh, improved aerodynamics mm. than a box. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a really common 
place that you will find these ki- this kind of fallacy yeah. is in adverts. It's product placement in movies like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's less common in adverts than it used to be, mm. probably because advertising regulation yep. is a thing and and so people started out. saying, well, what? Yeah. It, what is it better than or yeah, has less yeah. fat than or etc. cetera? Uh, and so I've done a quick montage of some ads that go from i think the 70s through to kind of quite recently actually right. where they do this kind of thing mccain oven chips better for taste better for you bounty the quicker picker-upper Margaret, you've changed me in digestion tablets. Settlers have 20% more relief-giving ingredients now. 20% more? Smoother, mintier too. For express relief okay. from indigestion, Settlers, now with 20% more relief-giving ingredients. 40% less sugar, 100% refreshing, Lipton iced tea. Mintier, I like. <laughs> Smoother, com- mintier. Yeah. Yes, com- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Than what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Than so, yeah. Before. So, the McCain yeah. ad... If you weren't alive in the 70s, uh, first of all, fuck you. Stop listening. <laughs> um, but also, that's the kind of ad we had to put up with. Those annoying yeah. songs that would get stuck in your head for days. Or the even more annoying ones that were trying to do that. And yeah. just failing or just woeful. And you kind of think that's never going to catch on. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that the she said at the end, 40% less fat. Yeah. But didn't explain, and it isn't explained in the ad, what <laughs> they mean 40% less fat than. On the bags, not, I hasten to add, on the bag that's shown in the advert, but on, right. the, on the bags in some of the other adverts around the time, it, was, it said it was 40% less fat than fried chips because these oh, are other okay. chips. Right. Ah, right. It wasn't 40% less fat than it used to be. No. Right. But you wouldn't know that from listening to the ad. No. Or from looking at the pictures on the ad. It's no, just not, no. it's not on there at all. But it's, yeah, 40% less fat. Well, that's a good thing then. Yeah. We'll get those. Yeah. 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 They're not embedded 40, in a block but it of could lard. Be, yeah, it could have been 40% less fat than just some butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Bounty, the quicker picker-upper, uh, what's it quicker then? Quicker than yeah. picking stuff up, just liquid up with your hands? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it is quicker, quicker than that, that definitely. So, so, yeah, that's quite difficult. Particularly mercury, liquid mercury. Uh-huh. It's, it's notoriously yeah. difficult to pick up. So yeah. some uh, ads in that um, series of ads for Bounty did specifically compare it to, I think it was like the the other leading brand or something like that, the uh, the, the next, yeah. com- their biggest competitor or something. And it's quicker than that. And they showed like some liquid being sucked up by a square of Bounty. But, <laughs> right. but Quicker Picker yeah. Up became their slogan. And oh, wow. it's just, you know, just quicker. Just quick. Yeah. Just quick, yes. Then then anything else that yeah. picks things up. The settlers ad, they did say it now has twenty percent more relief giving ingredients. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of implies that it is they are new improved settlers. Right. But it doesn't say there it. might just be in a tube of five, there might be another one. Yeah, but it also might just be that previously it didn't have 20% more relief-giving ingredients than a shoe, and now it does. Right. <laughs> right. It doesn't, you know... Yeah. yeah it's not yeah. specific. And also, does the number of relief-giving ingredients help? Is that... Yeah. Isn't surely how effective <laughs> yeah. they are? 
Yeah. If they're yeah, all yeah. shit, but there's twenty percent more but of there's them. There's loads of them. <laughs> yeah. They're relief giving games, but they're all they only work at point one percent of effectiveness. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. also a bit like that that real bread lighter nimble nimble yeah, yeah. the breads that they tied to a balloon a helium balloon and then just let go of the balloon and it lifted the bread up and the reason it was real bread but light is because it was half the size yeah. of a normal like a slice of bread yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and that's yes that's what it's real bread yeah there was a less. There was dairy milk you know cadbury's started doing dairy milk bars that were under 99 calories um and right. it was just because there was less of it there's just less chocolate right <laughs> <laughs> So they just oh, worked out yeah. how much chocolate was 99 yeah. calories, and then, yeah, that's how much it's you just, get in it's this just, Yeah. <laughs> Got a longer bar cutting in half yeah. and sealed the end up. <laughs> there you go. That's it. 99 calories. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So the Lipton Ice Tea ad, which is the most recent one, yeah. does it just says what is it, 40% less sugar, I think, in that one. Literally for about a second, on screen, in really tiny writing, it it says, like, compared to other iced tea brands Bank or something like that oh, okay. but it's right. i mean literally blink and you'll miss it, it and even yeah. if you're not blinking it's really hard to see and definitely you don't have time to read surely, it surely surely that's the thing you would really want to trumpet on screen yeah you'd really want to broadcast it. it's 40 percent less than anybody else yeah rather than just 40 percent less yeah which is 40 percent less sugar than 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 it used to be than Could, yeah or than a, Coke, a pound than, of sugar, yeah, than Coke, yeah, <laughs> than Coca Cola, then molasses, yeah. Hello, yes. Surely that would be the very thing you, you, you would, would want to draw people's attention to, yeah. Because that's that's proper comparative advertising, isn't it? You know, we took these two products, we put one in this washing machine and one in that washing machine. This one was shit, and this one was great by ours. So the the other example, I've. Um, found in my trawling through Michael Spice's back catalogue. So Michael Spice, if you don't know him, he's on YouTube as the man in the room next door. And he's uh, ostensibly... So when you get these car crash interviews with politicians, so he's done Trump, Boris Johnson, um, the Dalai Lama, all sorts of people that have been interviewed, and then uh, Prince Andrew, and they've Matt come Hancock. out with these... Matt Hancock yeah. come out with these uh, absurd hesitations or random surreal turns of phrase um the latest one with nadine doris go watch that one <laughs> um he interjects as if they're waiting for somebody to tell them what to say next and he's kind of taking on this role of telling them what to say it's it's absolutely brilliant um and it's a kind of internet sensation prior prior to him doing that he was doing little comedy sketches and about things that annoyed him. And the one that annoyed him about um, soccer punditry and the, the world-famous Manchester United. And he said, this is what every pundit says when Manchester United are on. This is Manchester United Football Club we're talking about here. Um, you know, Manchester United Football Club. Uh, you know, one of the biggest clubs, you know, in the world. Um, so this is, I mean, this is, this is Man United, you know. This is Manchester United Football Club we're talking about here. Man U, you know, theatre of dreams, you know. And, um, you know, I just think, I mean, I mean, it's, it's Manchester United Football Club we're talking about here, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's Manchester United Football Club. 
that we're talking about here. Man U, all right? Man United. doesn't get bigger than that, okay? And I just feel that we need... I mean, it's, it's Manchester United Football Club we're talking about here. Manchester United Football Club. So, you know, Man U. <laughs> so there's... So there's what it feels like there's a compa- it's comparison shaped yeah um uh, phrases that's going on you know they they just they just um they can't believe what's gone on because this is man new we're talking about i mean it's <laughs> man new it's man new as if there's a an understood comparison yeah if it was another man new therefore yeah then yeah yeah you yeah. could understand it but <laughs> <laughs> yes but it's man new we're talking about so that's so it becomes it so it becomes an absurd repetition, <laughs> but it's um, they are their own. What he's struggling is with is to find a comparative thing. He's struggling to find what to compare them to, and he can't. <laughs> the only because the only thing he can compare it to is that it's Manu because they are Manu, and that's so he does say at one point. You can't get bigger than that, but the that is Man, <laughs> Man U. U yeah. So there, there's it's an incomplete comparison because he's not comparing it to anything other than itself, which leads me to think that maybe all tautologies are therefore incomplete comparisons by definition, which which also led me to the thought that the Neil Innes who. Um, was a comedic musician, used to play with the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. He was part of the uh, thing that brought us the Rattles, the pastiche of the Beatles. He once said at the beginning of one of his pastiches, if you've enjoyed this half as much as we have, then we've enjoyed it twice as much as you have. Which is a, it is a comparison <laughs> in shape, uh-huh. but it's, but it's, it doesn't actually compare. It's to not. It's yeah. a, it's a tautological comparison, <laughs> which oh, I love it. So yeah. So that's there you go. So there, there. Maybe that's a a, a question we can dis- mm. t- discuss. <laughs> are are all tautologies incomplete comparisons? And that's why they're tautological. Could be. Mm. So before we move on to fake news this week, I just have a few corrections. That I want to make because we got stuff wrong. Well, it does happen, and uh, and yeah. I do appreciate <laughs> podcasts that own up to when they get stuff wrong. So I thought, yeah, yeah we should probably do that. So, yeah, first of all, last episode, those who uh, downloaded it early, listened to it early, will have heard me say that Stuart Rhodes, the the guy, the leader of the Oath Keepers, who was charged with seditious conspiracy, uh, was was not at the Capitol on January sixth. I changed that fairly quickly because I found out actually he was at the Capitol. He just didn't go into the Capitol. Right. He didn't breach the building, but he was at the protest slash insurrection on that day. Uh, I also um, said that he looked like fat white Nick Fury, and I should have been clearer (laughs) that I was talking about the Samuel L. Jackson version of Nick Fury rather than the original comic book because he already was white. And also yeah. not the Dave, David Hasselhoff version of Nick Fury, which is amazing. But, yeah, he's like a fat white version yeah. of, of, uh, of Samuel Because the David Hasselhoff version, he is already fat and white. Yeah, exactly. Right, That's right. So yeah. unnecessary. Okay, but um, <laughs> that also I found out a brilliant thing about Stuart Rhodes, which is that the reason yeah. he has an eye patch, uh, he, uh, he used to be a firearms instructor, 
and uh, he dropped a loaded firearm and shot himself in the face. Whoa! So that's why he has an eye patch. So there you go. That's wow. brilliant. Anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, in our uh, gotcha argument episode, I said that Terry McAuliffe, governor of Virginia, had been uh, re-elected in 2013. And uh, one of our lovely patrons from Virginia, Amber Buchanan, uh-huh. got in touch to say that um, Virginia governors can't serve consecutive terms, which is oh. a quirky thing about Virginia. Every other state they can, but you can't do that. So wow. uh, that is, that was not true. And, and yeah, I basically misread a thing. Um, I, you asked the question, Mark, that I hadn't expected and yeah. and I and I kind of quickly looked it up and, and saw that he ran in 2019, but lost, uh, and then ran again in 2013 and won. So oh, okay, was it an unexpected question? Because it showed some curiosity about yeah. the political world of Virginian. It was gubern- like that, gubernatorial yeah. elections. Yeah. Well, but I'm always interested in that. How dare yeah, you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, in our recent episode. Uh, where we talked about Melania Trump's NFT uh, oh, yeah. that she was yep. selling. I, yep. I did a very poor explanation of fungibility. Okay. I kind of didn't really plan that at all and just did it off the top of my head. And I kind of said yeah. in the edit, when I listened back to it, I was like, no, that's not what it is at all. Um, but oh, okay. uh, I, fungib- I said essentially that it was about whether the thing that you have is still worth anything and you can kind of buy stuff with it or anything. And if... Right. And, and fungibility means that you can still use it to buy other stuff. That's not what it is at all. It's right. uh, fungibility is when if you swap two things, whether that has really changed anything or not. So if if you right. have five quid yep. and I have yep. five quid and I give you yep. mine and you give me yours, doesn't yep. doesn't matter, even if it's like in coins or or if you have two yep. fives and I give you ten, yeah, that nothing has changed appreciably. Right, it doesn't make any difference. So two artworks, for example, if you decided that these two paintings were worth the same amount of money, if you swap yep. them, no one's yep. worse off or better off, but the things are different. So then the the people are not in the same situation that they were in before. And is there, is there something implied in there about the the value? Because a, a five, pound, five pounds would always be worth five pounds, but a very cheap Picasso won't always be worth five pounds. It may change in value measured against that fungible token. I don't think that is a factor of it. I think it is just that the the thing, the the situation has changed. You are not. If you Mm -hmm. swap it for another one, then you're not in the same situation. Like if we each had a DVD of the John Woo film Face Off, (laughs) <laughs> right yeah which we do which we do yeah. <laughs> and yeah you know i brought mine over to your house put them yeah. next to each other and accidentally took yours home yeah yeah those dvds could change in value over time doesn't matter yeah but yeah. but not but neither of us you know we we essentially both still have the same thing it doesn't matter right yeah so okay so a non-fungible token a non-fungible token theorizes that when you when you make that transaction to get that non-fungible thing it's something has changed right um it's bullshit 
in all the ways <laughs> I said it was bullshit yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because, uh, because it's implying that there's a uniqueness. Exactly. To that That's can't the thing. Be swapped. It's the uniqueness that is key. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because the it fungibility be of it uh, yeah. is is actually the fact that that the the digital copy that someone owns in inverted yeah. commas is identical to all other save save as right click yeah. copies of that yeah. <laughs> digital yeah. artwork screenshotted. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. NFTs mm-hmm. uh, still bullshit. And yeah. uh, finally, for, for me at least, this isn't really a correction in terms of a mistake that I made because this happened right. two days after our episode went out, uh, which oh, was, right. I, I mentioned the monoclonal antibodies um, that the that were still being distributed or had they had previously at the kind of uh, during December been stopped distributing them from the federal government to states, right. um, and then they had started again in January. But the right was still saying, oh, you can't get these monoclonal antibodies. Uh, now you can't get them again. Oh, right. Yeah. And the reason for that is because the the makers of them, Regeneron and Eli Lilly, have said, yeah, they're not effective against Omicron. Oh, oh OK. Fair and enough. so because of that, the the federal government have said, oh, well, we're, we won't keep giving them to Fine, people. Then. Then, yeah. <laughs> yes. Which seems completely reasonable. Doesn't seem reasonable to Ron DeSantis, yeah. who who vowed to fight to continue to be allowed to use monoclonal <laughs> antibodies. But you carry on, mate. Yeah. But yeah. it kind of gives the lie to all the people who think it's big pharma who are behind yeah. the you kind of not being allowed to use ivermectin and stuff like that because it's the big pharma companies who are saying, "Don't use our product; it doesn't work." It doesn't work. <laughs> Yes, but it's, yeah, it's and the exactly people the on the right are still going. No, we're saying. gonna use it. We will we're still gonna continue use it. to give you money. Yeah, you can't stop us <laughs> from using it. But yeah, we demand the right to, to use this to use the stuff, even though you told us not to. Yeah, because then we could bring a class action against you for not allowing us to use something you've told us doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, only in America. And my one, I guess, well, this has been, this has been nagging at me for some <laughs> weeks, because, well, not least because, uh, well, it came up to the fore again because Jacob Rees-Mogg has, in the recent resh- mini reshuffle, ha-ha, um, has been giving a new job, which we alluded to earlier. He's now the Minister for Brexit Opportunities, so he won't have anything to do. But um, I once said that he was the father of the house, and there's a there's a role which is actually given to the generally the oldest member of the house of commons it's not it's an honorific really mm. yeah he's not, literally not the father of the house um and jacob but jacob Rees-Mogg was the leader of the house but that's only as far as the government con- is concerned so that each um party that's in government will have their leader of the house who basically is just supposedly in charge of uh, uh, the rituals, the ritualistic decorum of the um, of the proceedings in the house, which uh, which have all been taken liberties with since we've had this Tory government in, you know, CF proroguing Parliament, apologising to the Queen for doing so, you know, lying to the misleading the house, not apologising, saying things that are untrue, and then not going back and changing the record, even when it's pointed out to them and they are asked to. There you go. So he actually not. So I don't know whether he's continuing in that role. Probably because it'd be nothing to do as Minister for Brexit Opportunities. <laughs> Let's face it. 
So yeah, that's our corrections. Do tell us if we get stuff wrong because we like to yeah. be right, and so <laughs> we can't be right if people don't tell us when we're wrong. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game; it's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news. The game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. And of course, this this round will demonstrably be up to 15.7% better, clearer, more clever and healthier. <laughs> it also will have have less Trump. Oh, okay. oh because really? Because mixing okay. things up again, because I just couldn't let this one go. Right. <laughs> right. I decided to, to cover Tucker Carlson here. Okay. okay. Because this week, or last week actually, Tucker Carlson got very upset mm. that he was less sexually attracted to M&Ms than he previously used to be. Right, right. That's that's a horrible image uh-huh. I've now been lumbered with. So he did a bit of a of one of his you know, like confused rants, and uh, okay. and here are some things he said, or are they? Uh huh. Or are they? Okay. Uh, statement number one: The green M M&M, and M you will notice is no longer wearing sexy boots. Now she's wearing sensible sneakers. Why the change? Well, according to M M&M's, and M's quote, we all win when we see more women in leading roles. Because leading women do not wear sexy boots. Leading women wear frumpy shoes. The frumpier, the better. That's the rule. Okay. Mm-hmm. Statement number two. Unbelievably, they've also changed the brown M&M's footwear. You probably remember she used to wear stiletto heels, but now she's wearing those lower block heels. Again, much less sexy. My question is this. Why are they taking this away from us? I won't stand for it, and you shouldn't either. <laughs> Right. Statement right. three. Okay. M&Ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. Until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any one of them. That's the goal. When you're Whoa. totally turned off, we've achieved equity. They've won. Well, okay. I always thought they were totally androgynous anyway. So, yeah, this is in response to M&Ms uh, trying to be more kind of representative in a way okay. no one asked of, them to as far as i know no of chocolate covered <laughs> of a bee of, of yeah candy shell have, have chocolate beans wearing footwear yeah to, right. to have um candy characters that you can relate to yeah yeah and go, you know the kind of kind of candy characters you'd want to go have a drink with apparently right so now you see I can, I can hear Carlson ranting all of these. Yeah. Okay. But, mm, but it's, yes, and also it's quite disconcerting because they're proper joined up sentences. <laughs> so there's no clue in the Trumpness or otherwise. So I can't like the, see the, yeah, it got, and then we've got an insight to Tucker, Carl- Tucker Carlson's preferences. He's not a fan of lower block heels. Hmm. Okay. And did Eminem say we all win when we see more women leading roles? When we totally turned and the drink. See, I think it's going to be the ones that are going to be more Carlson are going to be the ones that are more about him rather than anything else. So on that basis. I'm going to plump for number one as the one that you made up. Okay, so of the other two, which are you more convinced by? I'm, I, um, 
enough to suddenly neither of them. So I think more convinced by number two. Okay. Yeah. So number two is yeah. yeah. Fake news. Oh, nice! The lower block heels that did it. He did. He did mention the lower block heels. Ah, oh, yeah. So you, that, that's, yeah. I could hear him saying it. That's the thing. Yeah. That's a kind of ranty detail. And he was he very, very annoyed around that. Yeah. That that made her less sexy. Wow. You see, and I'm um, utterly convinced by the entirety of that as a result. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, wow. so number one was was which you thought was fake news is is yeah, actually yeah. real. The green M&M, you will notice, is no longer wearing sexy boots. Now she's wearing sensible sneakers. Why the change? Well, according to M&Ms, quote, we all win when we see more women in leading roles because leading women do not wear sexy boots. Leading women wear frumpy shoes. The frumpier, the better. That's the rule. <laughs> yeah, it kind of glosses over the fact that the, 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 uh, the adjective sexy and frumpy are... Mm-hmm come from the male gaze looking at women yeah and it's a judgment based on yeah yeah so it is actually all about him yeah yeah i missed that yeah <laughs> yeah and and number three no unbelievable no <laughs> number three three is real m will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any one of them that's the goal when you're totally turned off We've achieved equity. They've won. They've won. Eminem They've won, won when you don't want to fuck yeah. their candy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think everyone wins, frankly, yes. if that's the case. Frank, yeah, exactly. That's certainly those that kind of you know, suspicious stuff. You know, you know when you get that chocolate and it's gone kind of pale in the window and you know, and they always say, Oh yeah, that's just the fat rising to the top. Not true. <laughs> it's Tucker Carlson. Leftover uh, sexual encounters with bags of M and M's. That's what? What? No! What? What? <laughs> when you're totally turned off? No! Why are you turned on? <laughs> yeah. Why were you Why? not turned off? Why were you yeah. turned on in the first place? Exactly. We're not. You know, it's not a matter of you're either on. It's one of those <laughs> things that they are totally androgynous, so that you you don't find them sexually appealing. You eat them because they're candy. You know, it's not not make them deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. They're small candy coated chocolate beans. They just happen to have put eyes on them. What the fuck? <laughs> but up to now, it obviously not obviously not now because she's wearing sneakers. But up to now, yeah. Yeah. Tucker would have definitely yeah. wanted to have a drink with the green M&M. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, because they were because she was not only was she wearing sexy boots, but it was a leading woman. You yeah. know, I was I wasn't aware they had gender at all until Tucker pointed out to me by virtue of the fact that though they may look exactly the same, you put a different shoe on them that makes them gendered. Yeah, I mean to be you fair, know, they also have eyelashes. The ah, do they? Right. Okay. So right. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we we wouldn't. Uh, we we don't really get the character Eminem adverts here in well, the UK so much. Well, we do in the cinema. Yeah. With the with the ones yeah, where you have get had... the 
the red the woman in bed well there you go yeah, yeah. the woman in bed <laughs> with, with the, the yellow m&m uh-huh. yeah yeah so we have yeah. had a few but it's not quite as ingrained the main way i think you would know that the green m&m and the brown m&m who weirdly i mm-hmm. i i don't know where i know this from but i believe are a couple i could be wrong <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i i i, I need you uh-huh. to find out where you got that I, <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah yeah. The only way you would, quite you would know quite. really most yeah. of them is if you ever went into the hellscape that is the M&M store on Leicester Square. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is like yeah. four stories of just M&M stuff. No. Four stories? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And do they have... Kind of pale blue and pale pink M and M's. They've got to all be completely LGBT. You would be amazed plus. at the range of M and M's they have. Wow! Um, they've got them in in kind of huge hoppers that you can just go right. around and and open the Lie buttons underneath. and yeah. pour M and M's into your bucket that you get at the counter. Oh, right, right. <laughs> or if you're not directly in, into your face, into the, because someone has right. to pay for it at some point. Okay, <laughs> you can't just pour them directly down the front of your trousers like Tucker like Tucker would. Tucker would, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he does, obviously, uh, in the yeah. privacy of his own home. But <laughs> privacy of his own TV channel, yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, that was scary. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, well, I don't, you, didn't, oh, you didn't get that one. You I, didn't get it I don't correctly. mind. Don't mind at all. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm quite glad I didn't actually... Uh-huh guess that one correct in a way because they're all just as batshit crazy as each other they all ought to be unbelievable <laughs> yeah yeah so it was it was a you know 30 30 33 chance uh-huh. really but yeah but yeah so it was neither clearer clever nor healthier <laughs> that it was weirder <laughs> it was weirder yeah weirder It's time for the part of the show that this week at least is called The Next Supreme Court Justice is Not a Logical Fallacy because finally Stephen Breyer took the hint yeah, and decided to retire. Yeah, yeah. There was some some dispute over whether it, the kind of decision was announced before he was quite ready for it and he felt <laughs> obligated at that point to go, all to right. Say, oh, all right then, yeah. <laughs> oh, all right then, yeah. But the upshot yeah. is that Biden gets to nominate a new Supreme Court Justice. Which is super yeah, good. and it's and he, but he kind of needs to do it quick. Oh yeah, because um, otherwise Mitch McConnell will go. Well, no, you see, we rushed it through last time, and we yeah, can't yeah. rush it through. Well, well, don't worry, because uh, Chuck Schumer has already said that they will move with all deliberate speed <laughs> to get this through. Mm. So yeah, okay. and if there's you know if there's yeah. one thing Chuck Schumer's known for, it's it's, it's being speedy. Speed. Biden said in the campaign that uh, if if given the opportunity, basically, he would yeah. nominate a black woman to the Supreme mm-hmm. Court. And he has uh, kind of doubled down on that and said, yep, he's definitely going to do that. To which yeah. Republicans have said, that's racist. <laughs> right. Essentially. What? Because um, they're yeah. complaining they don't think that out of 115 uh, Supreme Court nominees, 108 white men is quite enough. And and didn't was it who was it? Um, Ted Cruz, 
didn't he say that it's unrepresentative? <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, he said um, black women one are, out of the <laughs> black women are six percent of the U.S. population. So he's basically saying to him to ninety four percent of Americans, "I don't give a damn about you." Which yeah, yeah. Actually, the the hundred eight out of one hundred fifteen justices who are who are white men, it, yeah. coincidentally, is ninety four percent of all Supreme Court justices in history. So. Yeah, go. I think yeah. they've had yeah. their ninety-four percent. I think they've, you know, yeah, yeah, it's and, time. And still have it, yeah. Also, you know, he was yeah. slightly, uh, he was definitely rounding down on the six percent uh, of the U.S. population that is black women. It's it's closer to seven percent, but um, okay. you know, there you yeah. go. If you can't misrepresent black women, if you take Cruz, what can you do? <laughs> um, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah um, Josh Hawley um, said that it was. Uh, it was basically kind of affirmative action and uh you know it's it's uh sends the wrong signal to say well if a person of a certain is a of a certain ethnic background then we don't care what their record is we don't care what their substantive beliefs are because that's the same as saying i'm going to nominate yeah. an extremely qualified black woman by the supreme court <laughs> yeah. yeah who who <laughs> <laughs> rather than somebody who's not a, a lawyer yeah. or just anyone, so long like as they're black. I don't not care. been a judge, and if, yeah, yeah, black and female, just get them in. Don't care where they've worked, what sector they've worked in, who they are, where they live, yeah, what records they've got. Just get them in. That's not what he's saying at all. The only reason to argue that this can't be part of a meritocratic decision right. is if you think there can't possibly be any black women who are as qualified as white men. Exactly. Yes, yes, that's the implication there, isn't it? That that well, you're just plucking anybody and f- flinging them in the post. Go, well, that's ignoring the fact <laughs> that there are many, many, many highly qualified black women in the judiciary yeah. that could do the job just as well as any white aged man yeah. and in the judiciary. It, it's ridiculous to suggest that at any point in the process of nominating Supreme Court justices through history, the person who was nominated was the one individual who was most qualified out of anyone. Yeah. That's just absolutely not the case. Um, I mean, even going as far as deciding on a criteria before you narrow down your options, Trump did it <laughs> with, yeah. with um, Amy Coney Barrett. When Ruth Bader Ginsburg yep. died, he said, I will nominate a woman to replace her. Yeah. No Republicans apparently had a problem at that point with with no. that part of the process. Maybe it's the fact Biden said black woman. Maybe that's yeah, the exactly. <laughs> yes, and and that Biden's yeah, left and that it's Biden. Them, yeah. Yeah, 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 and you know, and also that you could speak truthfully to the idea that people who are being nominated for the Supreme Court are able to do so with no qualifications whatsoever. Yeah. That's the, the the flip side of that is is that anyone anyone could get in there that there is no um no vetting procedure, there's no testing procedure, so even woefully unqualified people could get onto the be- oh, Yeah, like no. the kind of people who Trump Frank nominated Kavanaugh. to the federal bench for yeah, example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I can see where <laughs> where Cruz is coming from. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, in his experience, (laughs) that's exactly what's happened. So he's a bit worried that that might happen and no unopposed. If the Republicans get the chamber back in the midterms, Mm. then they're going to make it sort of sort of tough. I mean, I think they have to get it through right uh, before the midterms. Yeah, yeah. they're 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 going to want to do it in the next couple of months, I would think, because thanks to the Trump administration and the, <laughs> and McConnell during that period for Supreme Court nominees they only need a majority they don't need right. um, a supermajority they don't need something that that would be open to being filibustered yep. so and they have essentially fifty votes fifty one with Kamala Harris so yeah they can get it through the House essentially through the Senate rather yep. uh, which is where it's it, the decision is made so. I don't think there'll be a problem. It depends who Biden picks, ultimately, whether whether there yeah. may be senators who will um, kind of potentially vote either against if they're Democrats or potentially even for, depending on who he picks, If even if they're Republicans. Um, then it may be a party-line vote, so much seems to be these days. But yeah. it's not going to change anything in terms of the kind of liberal-conservative split because yeah. Breyer yeah. is liberal so it's still just going to be a 6-3 majority yeah. it it will help in the fact that Biden is probably going to nominate someone quite a lot younger than Stephen Breyer who's uh, 83 mm. I believe and um, right. yeah I mean the, the kind of the, the leading contenders uh, for the job seem to be um, in the main there's Katanji Brown Jackson who is a DC circuit judge she was appointed to the DC circuit um, actually by Biden just last oh, year, I think. Yeah. She's 51. She uh, was previously on the D.C. District Court and now she's on mm-hmm. D.C. Uh, Court of Appeals. She clerked for Breyer, I think. Um, she was previously right, a public right. defender, which is yep. uh, interesting and, and one of the more unusual routes to being a, a Supreme mm. Court justice. They, you know, they tend yeah, to come yeah. from Department of Justice, prosecutors' offices. So, yeah, that that's interesting and probably maybe the kind of voice or thought process that that may favor defendants in a way that helps people to have you know rights and stuff yeah. <laughs> um yeah seems seems good um yeah she also uh authored a a significant document uh about the the case where don mcgann was trying to claim that he had kind of um was it like executive authority or something where he didn't have to abide by the subpoena, the subpoena that was coming from the Senate mm-hmm. when they were uh, looking into dodgy stuff that Trump had done. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it was yeah. like a 150 yeah. page document or something that she authored to yeah. say, no, he really does have to, yeah. to abide by this <laughs> yeah. subpoena. Yeah. There's California Supreme Court Justice Leandra Kruger. Uh, again, she was a clerk for a Supreme Court Justice, John Paul Stevens. She was acting deputy solicitor general under Obama. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and has been kind of, she's won various awards, like the, the Attorney General's Award for Exceptional Service uh, at the Justice Department, a couple of years running. Yep. So, you know, highly qualified, extremely intelligent and uh, like suitable for putting on the on the bench the the mm. kind of third main contender according to most of the reporting is um judge j michelle childs south carolina u.s district judge who i think is 
uh, probably less likely. She's right. more of a moderate. So, so if Biden feels like maybe he needs to get some Republican support, then right. that could be the way he goes. Yeah. I think the other two, Ketanji Brown-Jackson and Andrew Kruger, uh, will have a lot of Democrat support and probably most Republicans will say, no, they're too progressive. Um, J. Michelle Childs worked for a, a kind of anti-union law firm for eight years and has yeah. ruled right. in various cases against kind of workers' rights and, and yeah. things like that. Republicans will love that. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. And Biden is kind of, you know, vocally pro-union president. So it's yeah. a weird choice. Yeah. But one that has support from um, Jim Clyburn, the... Um, What's he the oh majority whip, isn't he? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he uh, he's in favour of of Childs, and also uh, right. Lindsey Graham has come out and said that Michelle Childs oh. would be a good choice uh, for the Supreme Court, and he would so support if her. So then he could put a more centrist. Yeah, yeah. I selection I, in. I I would be surprised personally if that's the way he goes, but. I mean, there's obviously a lot of factors that will feed into the decision, mm. but um, I, I think probably Katanji Brown Jackson is is a kind of slam dunk. She seems eminently qualified, and I yeah. I think he will take the opportunity to go kind of more progressive mm. while he can if he thinks he has the votes for it. Yeah, because if because if he's got if it's a three to six, then you've got to have. More, you've got to have twice as much in your three, really, to kind of fight off the. Yeah. There's that sort of groupthink amongst the the sick conservatives, in a way, and so you need somebody that's um, a strong enough counter to that collective right-leaning vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be you know over in the the liberal side of it. Yeah, you don't want someone uh, who who appears to think one way and then actually goes in favour yeah. of the other side. And there's there's more of a danger if you pick a moderate, which I mean, mm. frankly, Obama was doing with um, uh, Merrick Garland uh, when mm. he nominated Merrick Garland. He was absolutely uh, a moderate choice. He wasn't a, a far left or a progressive or right. that kind of choice. It was he was chosen because. Obama thought that he would get some Republican support. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But McConnell just refused yeah. to even hold a hearing. So I I think if they can if they're confident that they can get the votes from the Democrat side then they'll probably go with someone more progressive, but she's there as an option if necessary, I suppose. I think it'll be soon that they make a decision or put put a kind of at least a shortlist forward. Um you know, all the shortlists that are being put out at the moment are just kind of uh, journalists saying, well, here are some high-profile right. and prominent black um, women judges who yeah. who seem like they could be people that he would nominate. So uh, we'll see if maybe it won't be any of those three. There's lots of other potential options, lots of a huge number of eminently qualified, yeah. very yeah. suitable, <laughs> yeah. progressive black women who are qualified for the for the bench. And, and he's... You know, the, the suggestion that restricting yourself to just this specific group of yeah. extremely qualified people is somehow <laughs> negative yeah. or racist yeah. or 
anti-American, as some people have suggested, or possibly even illegal. I think Larry Kudlow said it's probably unconstitutional wow. to do that. It's crazy. Yeah, because that would be the thing to bring up the legality of something with that you're fighting the wrong people there, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, ultimately. And I'm also looking across the the over on the um conservative side of the bench thinking, right, who's who's gonna die next? <laughs> That's right. Mm. right. Well, Thomas, right, is the oldest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thomas is kind of old Alito's oldish and you think, well if you know, just if old age but the trouble with being, you know, highly qualified, highly paid, um, highly elite, white, middle class men yeah. is that you tend to live quite long because you have access to very expensive. I mean, healthcare. Kavanaugh does like his beer, though. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Not that yeah. there's anything wrong with that. No, exactly. It <laughs> doesn't bode well for us if you're saying, well, Kevin, Kevin, a lot longer this world because he does like his beer. Well, that's it. You know, might as well hang up our podcasting boots right now. Yeah. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. We've talked before about Trump's compulsive need to tear up documents he's finished with like any good mob boss determined not to leave a paper trail. Since this was in direct violation of the Presidential Records Act, that was brought in after the whole Nixon thing, White House aides had to collect all the bits of shredded paper and tape them back together. Spare a thought for the staffers who had to work on Trump's handwritten memos and figure out what order the words were in before he tore them up. Anyway, according to the January 6th committee, this practice continued right up until the end of his presidency. Some of the documents provided to them by the National Archives had been taped together by White House staff, while others had been left for the archivists themselves to sort out. But lest you think destroying documents was the only way Trump broke that particular law, we learned this week that the National Archives went down to Mar-a-Lago to recover 15 boxes of official documents, letters and mementos that Trump had improperly taken with him when he reluctantly left the White House. Included in the collection of things Trump couldn't bear to part with were the love letters he received from Kim Jong-un and the map of Hurricane Dorian that he changed with a sharpie, which will now be preserved by the National Archives for the future when we need to prove to disbelieving young people that all this shit really happened. Are you worried that your youngsters should be spending less time online and more time engaging with school? Specifically telling Governor Glenn Youngkin which Virginia school is going so far as to actually teach race theory? Spoiler alert, they're not. Youngkin set up an email address where concerned citizens, Karens, can snitch in true Big Brother style and young people in the shape of TikTokers have invaded cyberspace to play Glenn at his own game. One Gen Zer posted a TikTok to share that she set up a website which will generate an email about a random Virginia school, pull in random lyrics from songs and snitch all that to Youngkin's tip line email address. So far, 37,000 views of the vid on TikTok has generated emails accusing randomly named generated teachers of teaching great tracks of theory drawn from Hey Ya by Outcast, Material Girl by Saucy Santana and Bonfire by Childish Gambino. Olivia Juliana, a 19-year-old from Houston and part of Gen Z for Change, published similar posts last September, calling on people to flood a tip line set up by Texas Right to Life to report abortions after the state passed a law banning abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. They crashed the tip line website, which was taken down shortly after and hasn't gone back up. As she says, 
Gen Z digital organisers consistently outperform these older politicians in using social media as a tool, and I would highly recommend they stop trying to beat us at our own game because it has consistently become a source of embarrassment for them. Basically, and thankfully, Glenn, you and your fellow snitches, you're too old, man. Give it up, dude. Seemingly determined to prove in an Ouroboros fashion that people who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it, McMinn County, Tennessee school board members, who presumably never learned about Nazi book bans, banned a Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novel about the Holocaust called Mouse. Mm. They were also seemingly unaware of the Streisand effect, with the ban resulting in online sales of Mouse skyrocketing, a local comic store offering free loans to any student, and a North Carolina professor offering a free online class on Mouse to any McMinn County high schoolers. The irony is that these people really need to learn about the Holocaust because it might stop them from comparing mask mandates to Nazi Germany. Meanwhile, down the road in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, right-wing pastor and Trump supporter Greg Locke organised a literal book-burning to get rid of Harry Potter books, Twilight books, tarot cards and Ouija boards because he believes witchcraft is real and apparently he's not sure the god he believes in is strong enough to cope with that on his own. Yeah, a bit like the Jesus wasn't strong enough to deal with... Um... Beatles records, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sales of Beatles records, Harry Potter books, Twilight and Ouija boards have gone through the roof. <laughs> yeah. Florida man with Lego hair, Ron DeSantis, did his being sufficiently Trump enough to appeal to a voter base for his much vaunted potential run for president in 2024 act over the weekend. Or rather, he kind of didn't. Whilst some 20 white nationalists assembled in the Orlando area on Saturday saluted Hitler, waved Nazi insignia and yelled anti-Semitic slurs at passers-by and again on the following day, old Ronald Not Donald did nothing and stayed silent till Monday when he broke his silence only to hector those that had said, Oi, Ron, it's not hard. Condemn the Nazis, will you? As trying to smear me as if I had something to do with it. Well, if you knew your Desmond Tutu, Ron, you'd know that all a man has to do is stand idly by to be inculcated with the wrong side. As the Archbishop said, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. Finally, concurring that some jackasses and malcontents would be held accountable for doing stuff on the overpass, apparently hanging signs on overpasses is a violation of Florida law, DeSantis went on to make... It's even more about him bigging up his history of supporting Jewish people through record funding for Jewish day schools. Yeah, that's a very tricky balance to strike there, Ron, keeping the Nazis and the Jewish community both on side. No noisy about this. He's kept quiet about whether or not he's had the COVID vaccine in case that turns other voters against him. I shouldn't worry, Ron. You've turned more than enough against you already. So you're a shoo-in for that GOP nomination for sure. He also didn't... His his director of communications tweet um, in response to the, the people with swastikas and, and Confederate flags and, like, doing the Nazi salute, they tweeted, Do we know they're really Nazis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, well, they're not just... Dem- Are we Democrat sure? Dressed up. We sure? Yeah. yeah. You know, well, yeah. What is it that strikes me? Yeah. It's an incomplete comparison there, isn't it? Yeah. What is it that strikes me? Yeah. 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 Mm. There was controversy on the set of Fox's The Masked Singer last week. No, it wasn't host Nick Cannon making even more anti Semitic remarks. 
It wasn't Judge Robin Thicke plagiarising someone else's work, sexually assaulting a dancer or being a generally misogynistic arsehole. And it wasn't other host Jenny McCarthy giving life-threatening medical advice about not vaccinating your child because her child totally got autism because of the MMR vaccination, but she cured him with a gluten-free diet, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, chelation therapy, B12 shots, electromagnetism, aromatherapy, multivitamin therapy, various prescription drugs and rubbing fucking spoons on his body. No... It was none of these things. The controversy was that Fox, who were usually so careful not to give a platform to any polarising figures, chose leaky lawyer Rudy Giuliani as a contestant. When his mask was removed, Ken Jong and Robin Thicke were so upset they left the studio in protest. Think about that. There's someone that even Robin Thicke is too disgusted to share a stage with. <laughs> that does take quite something to think about. <laughs> What was he dressed as? We don't know yet. The Trump. It hasn't oh, gone okay. out. The it's right. It's uh, season seven, which hasn't hasn't aired yet. But the uh, right. the, the filming has been. Oh, out, I so. so hope there was a mask that was a head was like really hot. <laughs> so all he was it was just doing the melty thing. Brilliant. To be filed under both. They're taking Christmas away from us again. Theories and well, that escalated quickly. At an online posting of video taken at a school meeting in Detroit, a member of the public, Lisa Hansen, says that she was informed by someone the day before the meeting that litter boxes have been added to the unisex bathrooms for students who identify as cats. As a right-minded critical thinker, Miss Hansen dismisses the claim as nonsense, stoked by right-wingers with an agenda, questions the true source of the story, and then asks the school if they would be so kind as to ask if any schools do such thing. No, no, she didn't. She said she's stunned, furious, this is an agenda being pushed through, it's a nationwide issue that she has a problem with. All of which accelerated truth gained some more mileage per hour when Michonne Maddock, a chairwoman of the Michigan Republican Party, shared the video and announced, I'm, I'm guessing also without doing any actual checking, kids who identify as furries get a litter box in the school bathroom. Parent heroes will take back our schools. Lisa Hansen, of course, failed to ask Michonne what her agenda was. And we're released superintendent of Midland Public Schools and educated adult enough for everyone, Michael Shero announced that there was, of course, no truth in this statement slash accusation, calling it out for what it is. It is such a source of disappointment that I felt the necessity to communicate this message to you, he wrote. Nothing worse than when your teacher tells you he's disappointed in you, hey. Meanwhile, Hanson and Maddock, having their noses rubbed in it, are thrown out of the house into the yard and their shit's thrown after them. It's such a great way to say, I can't believe I have to explain this to you. As well. I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. And it's, really, it's really kind of sat there. You can see he's got his hands crossed, you know, kind of interlaced on his chest, looking over his glasses at you. <laughs> and the, oh, yeah. Are you really this stupid? <laughs> exactly. I'm so, so disappointed. Yeah. The RNC officially called the January 6th insurrection legitimate political discourse last week and wow. voted to censure Republicans Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger for utilising their past professed political affiliation to mask Democrat abuse of prosecutorial power for partisan purposes. It's a bold statement. No, wait, I don't mean bold. What's the word? Bullshit. That's what I mean. 
bullshit. It's cowardly, demonstrably false. Even Mitch McConnell couldn't bring himself to agree. Oh my god. Telling reporters this week that it was a violent insurrection with the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power and that the RNC shouldn't be in the business of choosing which Republicans to support. Meanwhile, the AP have reported that not only did Trump gleefully watch the legitimate political discourse, occasionally rewinding and saying things like, look at all the people fighting for me, but that he was confused that White House staffers weren't as excited as he was to see the seat of American democracy being defiled. You know, the more I hear about this guy, the more I think maybe he just wasn't the right person for the job. Yeah. Speaking of which... After what started as an apology about the findings of the Sue Gray report when Boris was contrite for about 30 seconds last Monday, Trumpist stirring of right-wing conspiracy theories came to British politics. Rattled and shown as the charlatan and piss-taker he is by Starmer's identifying the lack of moral compass at the helm of British government, Boris casually accused Starmer of not prosecuting notorious serial paedophile Jimmy Savile when Starmer was head of the prosecution service. This is a constantly debunked right-wing conspiracy theory, usually residing on the wilder edges of QAnon-style chat rooms. Starmer wasn't in charge at the time, and the details of the case were never brought before him. Instead of calling for his party's leader to apologise and retract the untrue statement, Keith Girling, the Conservative deputy leader of Newark and Sherwood District Council in Nottingham, posted a photoshopped image of Savile lounging on Keir Starmer in the House of Commons, saying, of course he's responsible. As head of the organisation, the buck stops with him. Though, of course, Johnson, as head of the organisation that is the Tory party, is not responsible for the slur that brought about subsequent harassment of Starmer with protesters on the street shouting, Jimmy Savile! Oh, no, the thugs are responsible, not Boris. Thankfully, not everyone agreed, and five of Johnson's inner circle, communications team, chief of staff and MPs resigned. Not a bright week then for Boris, nor his supporters, who got lumbered with having to defend scurrilous slurs and do all the jobs being vacated at the top and then spin that that had been the plan all along. And yet, with kids going viral calling Boris naughty, it seems the next generation might be in good hands. Especially now, Education Minister Nadim Zahawi says pupils should not be criticising Boris Johnson as part of their coursework as he jumps on the anger wagon after it apparently emerged that children at a school in Nottingham have been writing letters critical of the PM's behaviour as part of an exercise. Yes, that's right, Nottingham. Distractingly, the same part of England where the Tory councillor posted the meme of Savile and Starmer, as QAnoners always ask, coincidence? So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our strawman level patrons Steve Bickle, Smoots, Mark Reichen, and Amber R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman level patrons Kaz Tui, Andrew Halk, Max Beaver, and our top patron, Lauren. Thanks very much, everybody. Your support truly is appreciated. Thank you so much. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.